Studying isn't what you think it should be. Prepare to be surprised by what we have to say about what studying actually looks like. In this episode, you'll learn how we think about studying, why we think highlighting to study is a bad idea, and just some of our tricks of the trade. In episode four, we're going to take this a step further and talk about how to create a study plan. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties, and welcome to episode 03. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Cap, And welcome to the first of our series called Tricks of the Trade. And today we're talking about the do's and don'ts of studying. What a big topic for us. <laughs> yeah, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is. So the important thing that we want you guys to know is that this is for all ages, all students. It's applicable to everybody. Having some insight into how studying actually works it was really beneficial to students of all ages now we will be doing episodes down the road specifically for elementary or middle school or high school students but today this is just an overview and a background of everything that we think is important to actually know about studying what works and what doesn't the do's and don'ts the do's and don'ts so rach what is the purpose of studying The purpose of studying is to be able to recall information on demand in a classroom setting. The reason that I that I frame it that way is because we have to give students the context of why this is important. Now, there there is an argument to be made about having basic human knowledge and being able to be knowledgeable in the world and having intellectual conversations with people. I'm sure we all remember one random thing, one random fact from our history classes in high school that we recall in party conversation. (laughs) But for the most part, as adults, we don't sit down to study because we're seeking out information for pleasure. Students are not doing that. When they're sitting down to study, it is goal-oriented, and we need to be mindful of that from the get-go, that students are studying because they want to make a grade. Right, Steph? What would you add? Yeah, it's definitely about making the grade, and it's definitely not a preferred task. No. Whereas, right, as an adult, you're seeking information that you are interested in. Right. Or for your job. Right. So there's there's a different goal. So this isn't easy. And that's why we're going to help you. We just want things to feel better and be easier for our students. Yeah. So here are some of the do's and don'ts of studying. And we are going to call the don'ts passive studying. And the do's we're going to call active studying. Steph, how would you define the difference between passive and active studying? So in active studying, the student is seeking out information, and there's a variety of different ways to do that, and we'll talk about those. But in passive studying, the student is really having the information come to them. Passive studying is actually what most students do. It's probably a little more traditional. It's definitely what you think studying should look like. We're going to take some inherently passive studying tips and turn them into active exercises. So the first one we're going to tackle is highlighting. Steph, what are some of the challenges that students have about highlighting? 
the first and most important thing is that they don't know how to highlight correctly. And oftentimes students will highlight entire paragraphs or entire pages. Which does nothing to help them. No. And so then when I'm in session and I'm asking the student to tell me or to summarize a page or a paragraph, they can't tell me anything. They don't remember. Because they, they, the only thing that they really did is color the page. <laughs> so how can we turn highlighting into an active studying tactic? The main goal for highlighting is to shorten and chunk and summarize the information that they're trying to learn. And identify the key points. Yes. And that doesn't mean identifying the vocabulary words. Which are already bolded anyway. Yeah. So that is that is really what we're trying to get from them. What do you tell a student who, when they come to you and they've highlighted the whole page? Well, first of all, I don't want to demoralize them, right? This is probably not an easy task for them, even though it's not the biggest bang for their buck. They have read over the information, but they haven't done anything with it yet to help their ability to recall the information on demand. So what I tell the student, and I tell them two things. First, I tell them, let's go back through and identify the W's. So what the W's are is who, what, where, and when. So it's literally fact-seeking, right? It's facts and detail-seeking. The second thing that I have them do is I have them write the why next to the paragraph. So I don't actually have them write out W-H-Y, but I have them write out why they think that information is significant. And this turns highlighting into an active exercise because now they have to take the information in, process it, and decide why it's important. They're doing something with that information. Those students also tend to remember that information very well because they've done something with it. It's become active for them. And the next don't or passive part of studying is reading or rereading a text. And you might sit there and think that if you've Re, you're rereading the material, you're freshening your mind on what you already read. The problem with this is it tricks your brain into thinking you know it because you've seen it before, and then you tend to skip over information. And in reality, you don't have it at all. So this is when that W exercise becomes meaningful once more, is yes, rereading the information is lovely. Recalling where you were when the teacher explained that story or that concept can help make those connections long term. But on the whole, you have to be doing something with the information in order for you to remember it. There needs to be an action step. Right. Oftentimes, a passive exercise is rewriting notes. And this is something I, I actually get this a lot from parents that, you know, if my kid would only rewrite their notes and they would remember all the information for the test. Well, if you've ever had a major event in your life where you've had to write hundreds of thank you notes, the one thing you will not know is the little minutiae details of who got you what. Because it is an entirely passive exercise to sit and write I mean, let's face it, we're all writing like the same four sentences for every thank you note and just filling in like who it's going to and what they got you, right? It is passive and it is not an active exercise to actually rewrite the notes. Now, if you're rewriting the notes and you're categorizing them, you're summarizing them, or you're writing them from memory and then going back and checking to see if you were correct, that turns it into an active exercise. 
So a lot of students have a lot of trouble with writing and it's really a big aversion for them. So having them rewrite notes is painful and I wouldn't want to do it either. So that is definitely not a good strategy for them. When you're picking study strategies for individuals, you have to keep in mind their affinities and their interests. And if they're avoidant of writing, coming to them and saying, hey, this is how you study by rewriting notes, you are fighting a losing battle that will not help your learner on the test. Without a doubt. So the next don't of studying is watching YouTube. Mm-hmm. Number one, how many of you have a kid that gets lost in a YouTube hole? How about how many of you get lost in a YouTube hole yourselves? (laughs) (laughs) So that's my number one thing about doing YouTube for studying. Maybe people don't know what we mean. I'm guessing not everybody knows that students turn to YouTube to study. Hmm, That's fair. There are many, many, many how-to videos. And if you're learning a particular concept, you can go on YouTube and have someone reteach you that information. That is great in a structured environment. But students have to be doing something with that information, either describing it to you after they watch that video. That really requires monitoring to be successful at YouTube. The next don't of studying is really my biggest one, and that is studying what you already know. And what tends to happen is that students go in with this mindset of, oh, I'm going to study, and they look over all the information they already know that they've learned years previously, and then they feel like they're prepared. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't work either. And that's typical of a of a student who says to their parent, no, 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 I've studied because they believe that they know the information. And then we have this whole reactionary moment after the test, which is, oh, wow, I didn't really know the information, but I also don't know what to do any different, which is where we come in. And the last don't, this is also a big one, is studying in your room on your bed. And that is because students tend to get too comfortable, tend to fall asleep, and then there is no active studying whatsoever. In full disclosure, I am currently recording sitting on my bed, and I can attest that I'm very cozy right now and could very easily fall asleep. (laughs) I'm glad you're not. Let's talk about active studying because what active studying is really all about is engaging all of your senses in the study experience. If you engage all five senses, it increases the likelihood of your retention and ability to recall information on demand. So I'd like to talk a little bit more about what I mean about the five senses. Location, smell, what you're eating, music, if you can study with music, time of day, all of these things really truly matter and can serve as memory triggers. It's one of the reasons I tell students to switch up the time of day, the location, and what they're doing, what the background noise is while they're studying, because you never know from what experience you may be able to recall information. How many times have you guys come across a song and you remember a specific point in time? And that is exactly what I 
encourage kids to try to make those connections as much as possible with their memory when they're studying because it will serve them on the test to know, hey, I remember going over this aspect of the Civil War, for example, when I was fill in the blank. Perfect. And then going back to summarizing, Rach, what's a good strategy that you like to tell students for summarizing? I like to have them talk out loud to me, which is something really critical. We tend to think of studying as a solitary exercise. And if you have a highly social student, this might not work for them. But a lot of students don't know how to use their peers in a really meaningful way. So what I mean by that is read over this section, look up, and tell me what you remember from that section. Oftentimes, I will literally write down verbatim in a shared Google Doc what they have identified as the key pieces of information. How do you work on summarizing with your students? I work on summarizing by having them do it aloud also to me, and then I have them keep shortening it. (laughs) They'll give me a couple of sentences, and then I'll say, okay, now I want it in two sentences, and now I want it in one sentence. And it really makes them have to sit and think for a second. It forces them to prioritize what the essential and key points are. And that's actually leading into another way to actively study. So if you tell your student to think like their teacher, which often I get a kind of a mixed response on because either they really like their teacher or they don't like their teacher. But if I say, put yourself in your teacher's shoes and think about if it were your class, what would you want your students to know? And this really sort of changes their mindset on how they're figuring out what information is important. And then for the next step, I have them create a quiz or a test. And I often do it in the format that the teacher uses. So if they do multiple choice, then I'll have them create a multiple choice quiz. And for fun, I always tell the kids to go home and have their parents take it. Um, So that would be you guys, because they really get a kick out of When you get something wrong and they feel like they know something or know something more than you or it's something you don't remember. I have to tell you, this podcast has already been worth all the effort because, Steph, you and I have never once spoken about this strategy. Yeah. And now my clients are going to get something (laughs) awesome out of our podcasting experience. Oh, yeah. Well, I've learned so many things from you, too. So (laughs) there we go. It's very symbiotic. Yes. It might be tricky for students just starting to think about active versus passive studying to figure out which one they're doing. And so there is a trick of the trade to help kind of create a framework for that, which is you are actively studying if you have the possibility of finding out that what you previously thought was incorrect. You have to be able to prove what you think wrong in order for it to be considered an active studying exercise. Studying is about taking the information and doing something with it. Steph, I wanted to have this conversation with you about Quizlet, but can you explain to parents what Quizlet is? Because I think students think that they're being active studiers with Quizlet, and I really it's something that I really struggle with. So for those of you who don't know, Quizlet is an online form of flashcards. 
basically they have the flashcards up and the students quiz themselves using those flashcards. And what happens a lot of times is that the information is already put in there if you search your book. Right. So first of all, the students are not actually typing it in. They're not seeking out any information. Right. It's already there and then they're just taking it. And then the other thing that they're doing is they're only doing it one way. And what I mean by that is that they're doing the definition and saying the word rather than you also need to do the word and say the definition. I really struggle with Quizlet because I view it as a mostly passive exercise and it's just simply in the what I'm watching these students do. And a lot of the teachers use it. Um, I think that I've had some kids whose teachers have made a Quizlet for the class. Several, several, yes. It's just not that effective. It's not effective enough. It's not enough bang for your buck. You want to make sure that you're doing things that, first of all, don't take that long. Second of all, are simple. And third, are active. Now, Quizlet is certainly simple and certainly doesn't take that long, but it is not active enough to be the only form of studying. I definitely agree. Well, Smarties, we hope that you learned some new tricks of the trade today as we had this discussion about the do's and don'ts of studying. Tune in for the next episode, episode 04, where we're really going to break down how we create a study plan with our students. I think it's probably one of the most critical skills that we teach students over time is how to effectively build a study plan that works for them with strategies that works for them. And that's coming up next week, episode 04, Creating a Study Plan. In the meantime, go ahead and follow us on social media at Learn Smarter Podcast, my business personally at CapEd Therapy. And mine is at My Ed Therapist. In the meantime, go ahead and join our mailing list to get access to our private Facebook group called the Smarties of the Learn Smarter Podcast. In that group this week, we'll be talking more about tricks of the trade. And if you're interested in booking a strategy session with us because you have something very specific going on at home, head over to our website at learnsmarterpodcast.com and go to the work with us section and we'd be happy to connect with you and find out what's going on. Have a great day, Smarty. See you next week. Bye.